0: Hello, my name is Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN, and your host for the Cloud2030 podcast. In this episode, we go back to the topic of metadata as part of the governance, control, management, exposure of data. Because data comes from many different places in many different sources in many different ways. Some data we described as dark data, which is not, accessed, not accessible data to you all of it relevant, but there is an important layer beyond the data itself, which is the governance intent, how people access it, how you combine data. All of that is something layered on top. And we spend a lot of time discussing exactly what that is and still only touch the surface of this real issue. I know you'll enjoy the conversation. We go into a lot of interesting paths around the topic of data governance and management. I'm gonna pull us into the topic of the day because I know y'all are eager to talk about metadata and um, and how, you know, and, and this is something a, a, still fascinated from our conversation from last time, the value of metadata in the data analytics space. And, and it's used to have a distributed data control plane, but we want to talk about like actually defining what is like defining the schema for metadata. I'm assuming we're not going to like try and write JSON at the moment, but um, what what can we do that would help define metadata better? Data metadata.
1: Well, Sounds like a center. Yeah, I don't you even know. What to call. I, I, maybe that's not even the
0: right name. So we can start with naming, but that'll take time too.
2: Well, well, well. First of all, it's it's amazing the uh, the uh, uh, uptake rate that you had in your um, your in invite for this section. So basically, nobody showed up that wasn't in the conversation last week. Uh, yeah. That should tell us something about the. Uh, Relative sexiness of metadata.
3: Oh, it, I, there's definitely people who are interested in it, but uh, yeah. as I mentioned before, this is a very academic question. Like if you if you ask in and the, the right circles, like for example, people who are interested in knowledge bases or constructing a corpus you will get a, lo- a lot of answers. You will get a lot of conflicting answers, too. And you will get a lot of people to say, this is a Sisyphean task.
4: Hmm. Um, the but- task being, yeah. being a, a schema for metadata, or just we, what were you referring to, Klaus, as
3: um, the task? So, when when you when you boil it down, um, talking about metadata for data is, in essence, uh, or at least it overlaps a lot with the task of data classification. Yeah, and when it comes to classification, there is. There's always the problem of do you treat the data as absolute truth? Do you treat it as uh, data that is mutable? Um, How do you link it against other data sets? Um, How do you handle conflicts? And how do you handle not just the data itself, but the relations between the data? So for example, like, let's say you you, let's say I'm I'm, I'm taking this out of my own background, but let's say you start classifying uh, figures of speech. Well, you can start, you can start by just classifying, like the terms themselves being used. But once you get to into, for example, rhetorical figures, and which are not just patterns in text, um, particularly when you get to things like sarcasm, it becomes really hard to define. And ultimately, Wait, is, this is data about data. This is metadata. Right, class uh, sure. things about what.
2: You, I miss so, that
0: term that you use. Just an analysis piece. Go
4: ahead. So,
3: yeah, yeah. So,
4: so again, like rhetoric, and yeah, like, and what, what you're starting to talk about there is um, classification on the basis of use, on the basis of intent, of intent, things like that. I yep. th- I think it's I important. Tell. I think it's important to to recognize and i guess i would i may i may be traveling in some different circles but there right now is quite a lot of work quite a lot of noise being generated about metadata among the people who i would say are most closely associated with the whole modern data stack community and these are folks who are um also very high on the idea of active metadata that is mm-hmm. um the utilization of metadata at, at, in, in 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 an operational context sometimes um when we first talked about or when Klaus you mentioned metadata, you talked about categorization or classification. And you know, I think this was this is the kind of objective of at least the early data catalogs. You know, you pull you'd pull data in, you'd ingest it, and at some point in time you'd categorize it, you'd classify it, you'd tag it. Um, but um the question was having done that once you know what then do you do what's what's the ongoing utilization of these classifications and uh, and for the most part i think it was a way in which uh people who believed in data lakes as just a you know the way to do things uh were kind of doing a bit of a hand wave. They were pulling data in willy-nilly, not spending a great deal of time um, processing it. The best thing that they could think of to do and do quickly was classify it, categorize it. Um, when you start to think about data that's coming back in for, the pur- for purposes like Um, Well, let's just say uh, going through and purging either out-of-date data, purging tainted data, purging or changing data, obfuscating data, that under regulatory compliance you want to, or you need to, as the steward or holder of that data, you know, add certain kinds of protections. You might think about metadata as being active um, in order to enrich some sort of a user's experience or consumption of the data. You can think about notification both upstream to your data sources or downstream to consumers of the data that you're packaging up and sending further. So I think one of the big distinctions that needs to be made before we get to schemas is identifying the basis on which you distinguish metadata from one metadata from another And um, one of the biggest issues in my mind is whether it's at its outset being prepared for active use as opposed to simply classification data.
1: So I have a question here, and I've been doing a lot of diving into dark data. And to me, this is running very, very close to dark data.
2: And And, uh, Joanne, can you define dark data in your context?
1: Yeah, sure. Dark data to me is any data that could be valuable, which goes unanalyzed and unused or operationalized. Or unknown. Pardon? whose,
2: Whose content is unknown, really, right? I mean, it
1: could be. The content may not be unknown, sorry. It may be known, but inaccessible or normally inaccessible. Server logs are not necessarily inaccessible, but their content may not be known. And conversely, you may have PLC data that's sitting in an ERP as a record for efficiency purposes, and you don't know which machine it's coming from but you could use that data you just can't access it it's it's it, there's tons okay. and tons of it that's unused it, it,
4: it's it's the data that kind of get that gets lost you know yeah. if you if you really spent the time and effort to go looking for it you knew of its existence you probably could find it the question is what's at what cost and for the most well, part it that that's one aspect I think there's another aspect of dark data, and that is replicas of data. Yes, uh, many of them not exact replicas, but rather um, iterations. So previous versions that are out of date, uh, subsets that have been picked up and you know copied and pasted into spreadsheets somewhere and then just sit there and you know are never uh, they're never cleaned up they're never thrown away the the idea being well I might need it someday in the future or I just I don't care, you know let's just leave it there for right now how much how much uh, is it really going to cost me to to keep a couple of megabytes Somewhere, so dark data is, in my mind, that sixty by most estimates, sixty to to seventy five percent of the data that's stored in um, in data stores that basically gets placed there and then almost never is touched again.
1: However, uh, just...
0: go ahead, Joanne.
1: It has extremely high value. In fact, if you look at something like I'm looking at now, which is the potential for carbon capture in a supply chain across an entire value chain, the dark data residing in all the systems, whether it's individual suppliers or a group of suppliers and one manufacturer, if you actually went and looked at Some of the data that's considered dark, meaning it's, you know, something on a shipping uh, bill or a manifest or a bill of materials, you know, uh, of composition. And you're actually only using that artifact for one purpose. The dark data that's contained with it, like uh, a manifest could be, you know, oh, the the duty that has been applied to bring in this raw material. That's what you're actually using the artifact for but it actually lists all of the component materials of that widget, then that can be very valuable because you can start tracking and tracing that and making it accessible. So let's say, for example, I wanted to know, and and why I'm doing this, I'll get to in a second. I wanted to know the overall uh, score three level carbon footprint of a vegan sneaker. As it went from its original source. Well, my kids are vegan, you know, um, from the original I source. I don't usually eat the sneakers,
0: but I, I understand nice. the I understand the use of the adjective. It's just funny. I know. Excellent I had
1: example. to throw that in to make you giggle. Anyway, that being said, if I wanted to know all of that, the value of that data is a hundred times more commercially commercial commercializable and uh useful to everybody in that supply chain or value chain and the manufacturer and the consumers as well
4: right. because and you want to
1: know that what you're buying is you know and, ethical
4: and and I don't think that is I'm I'm in complete agreement and what we're talking about no, now no. is the fact that a lot of what has been, dark data if yeah. reclaimed becomes a, a, an asset um, huge and you use it you data that in past has been truly of limited value and you, you purged it or kind of set it off in in some kind of Arctic um, <laughs> kind of <laughs> data store. Um, somewhere you're not for, being for ironic on purpose,
2: are you, Rich? <laughs> yes, I am.
4: Uh, but uh, the point here is, um, we're at a point where a lot of that data is useful for has suddenly become of greater use for the kinds of applications that uh, Joanne's just been uh, mentioning training sets now become, you know, of incredible value. Real world training, uh, (laughs) training sets for AI. Suddenly, you know, don't throw that away. It's valuable stuff. Now we're talking about reclaimed data. It's no longer dark. So
1: so here's my question, Rich, and Klaus uh, and everybody else. How much... Of that dark data is actually or could be metadata that would then lead us down the path to what kind of ontology is required.
3: Oh, she
2: uses a word. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's where that's where I was headed, was the ontology. Yeah. We're so, talking mm-hmm. about taxonomies, and I think we need to be moving to ontologies.
4: Yeah. I agree. So, so here's the here's the question. If you're talking about either taxonomies or ontologies, um the starting points for these, you know, what what are your what are your what are your highest concerns? And is it if if I took a look at this and said, all right, let's talk about classes of metadata for a second. Um I can talk about it as business metadata. I could talk about it as technical metadata for my operational, you know, just looking at how how well I'm processing whatever I'm processing and what I'm doing. What's the starting point for this ontology? What are the first, what are the first break, what are the first distinctions that you would want to make?
2: So, so first of all, can we all agree that what we're talking about describing here is metadata is a subset of, but uh, we have, uh, we have no real word that describes this ontology that we've, uh, that we're starting to talk about. Uh, I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to show you something that. If it's uh,
4: fierce, will you, will you, you know, kind of give us trigger warnings?
2: It's not yes, I, I will absolutely rich. Oh thank you. Uh so this is some marketing collateral I I I provided. So if you look at here's my patent that's actually showing the ontology that I put in here. Um, um so uh so what What I defined in as the ontology that that I was thinking about is this idea that you're you're defining the object entities, but then the types. So that would be the classifications within the ontology. Uh, and if if we think about traditional metadata and and, met, and, and data, so dark data or whatever the opposite of that is, uh, what what this ontology really comes down to is the idea of context that the information. So if you think about like an event-driven system or an event-driven model, everything becomes aligned or according to the outcome or the event. Uh, so... What I would define as the ontology is all of the context associated with an event in a system or, or set of a, events or ecosystem and of events how, or whatever.
4: How, 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 how broad, a, how broad a, a, a retaining fence do you build around context? Is it is it strictly technical? Is it does it extend to business process? Does how you know? Tell yeah, me and, what and what tell me what context. Give me some give me some lines around what is and what is not going to be considered context for our purpose here.
2: Yeah, so if we look at the object entity types here, we have kind of the traditional data metadata type, but then we have in the context, we have code, which represents transformation of data objects from one enumeration to another. Mm -hmm. So that's transformation. We have policies, which are business rules, and those business rules could be um did you know, infrastructure as code or data as code or it could be a mm-hmm. control policy associated with opening a ticket when a user opts out of sales and marketing in California and there's a control document associated with that. so it could be a lot of things uh, and then and then we have state, which is kind of that, uh, uh, it, it's the resource. So it's uh, state of an API endpoint, state of a data set, state of a row in a data set, state of a column in a data set. Uh, that, that's just, you know, the context of where we are now, right? What is the connectivity? And so that gets to the whole, well, I mean, properties are, are self-evident, but really that inner relationship between these components in your system. Uh, So I'm not saying this is right. This is something I came up with like six years ago, uh, which is why I kind of love the idea of talking with you guys about this is I think this Mm -hmm. needs to evolve. Um, But what, what we're talking about really is metadata seems like a static variable descriptor of an actual data set or, or an entity data, uh, you know, data entity of some type. Whereas context could relate to how transformations are applied, how policies are applied, what the current state is, what the past state is, what the future state is, how the interrelationships exist between the transformations and the policies and the state and then and 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 by the way the state includes things every the entire stack right everything from the cloud infrastructure up to the data models up to the application state mm-hmm. uh keeping in mind that this is all aligned with some sort of outcome right it's an event generated or i hate using that because that that has baggage too so uh, time based. Mo- this is where I'm just struggling because well, like, I don't. Have, we, I mean, there's so, we need new language, and the yeah. old language really gets us sideways when we talk about it,
4: yeah. And one, if you if you turn it on its side, as you just kind of discussed, <laughs> it really to make it operational, uh, or make it you know, operational, not the right word, but. This is these what you're describing, and uh, you know, in, in the layers is really time series of what most folks would call lineage. It could be technical lineage. It's uh, if I had this data, if I had this complete set of um, states and the the data points, uh, and uh, as you point out. A, um, a record of what transformation or what tool of transformation was applied with what direction. Um, one could take the starting point, take all of this metadata, and I could recreate the endpoint. And in fact, this is one of the ways you do, you know, actually check for. Um, a problem, errors, or you know, willful interference. But part of the thing I would I would ask you is, um, when you're talking about the lineage, these time series, um, do you also record as part of context? For example, the jurisdiction in which something takes place so that you know what policies are applied or what policies are applicable.
2: I I love it, Rich. That's awesome. You you totally get it. So if you look at the patent, um, which is completely useless, by the way, other than for me to be able to claim that I invented it. Um yeah,
0: I mean, Wait, one, look, one skilled in the art must be able to uh, recreate. Well, yeah. so look at this. Look at this list
2: down here, guys. So this is the the cited by list uh, where we wow. have IBM and Amazon, Salesforce. Uh, you know, Amazon's not known to be litigious, but I look at this list down here, and it's like, what are these people up to? Right? I mean, there are literally. 10 different patent publications from Amazon referring to my patent. So what the hell are they up to? Anyway, (laughs) the the point, everything they can. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. So the the point I was making here in this, in this figure and the the patent drawing is that context of location of locality is a core uh, uh, component of the ontology. Uh, so if you're if you're looking here, we've got policies, resources, you know, uh, transformation functions, you know, resource state, data in the context of locality, right? and that is the complete set
3: as far and as by, I,
4: and by locality, are you referring to the same things I was talking about as as jurisdictions? because it's not physical location so much as it is um, the kind of guiding what whatever whatever policies, laws, constraints, regulations are in in effect at the time well, of I, would this put, transaction. I would put that in, in policies,
2: right? So you say if zip code equals, you know, blah blah, then apply this set of data privacy rules.
4: Okay, then Um, what what does locality mean then? Well, locality
2: has to do with things like data gravity and application coupling and cybersecurity and all that stuff. Okay. So you've got physical locality. Uh, So like say we've got a Kubernetes cluster in AWS and a VMware cluster in Equinix and we have applications that... uh, have internal API endpoints that are served up in both locations and so each application component has uh, the word of this ontology defined in terms of of that so uh, to give you let's see yeah, so that's that's the idea here is you've got this kind of distributed fabric model where application and data components exist in different locales. So that's from a this is really more from an infrastructure or application performance uh optimization perspective. Um, but what's not in the patent that we we built into the data fabric is this whole concept of of. Uh, uh, jurisdiction, and that—that's just implemented as another policy. So policies can be applied based on any context that you define within the object entity, right?
4: Okay, I—I I can see how you're constructing it. All right,
2: and I'm so, again. I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying this right. is where my thinking has been. Yeah.
4: So, um, what? How does this? You know, going back to the original kind of question of the day was is there is there a means of standardizing or st- coming up with an accepted means of representing metadata that supplies the necessary or the most important parts of that entire stack I will Yield to the floor. <laughs>
2: well, well, in the metadata con construct, uh, that would refer to things like uh, last changed by user, timestamp that it last changed, the lineage, as uh, you know what what the system came from. But then, kind of the more you know, getting into the ontology element beyond metadata, is what's the context of this? So. When was the last time an event ran that created a a workflow and that workflow applied a set of rules and a set of filters or masks or, you know, a set of rules at a point in time? So I think it was, Rob, you were talking about this idea of if you've got or maybe it was you, Rich, I forget. Or Joanne or Klaus for me. I think uh, was, a, was if if you've got this timestamp and you've got the policies and uh, you know data lineage and resource state and all of that, you could go back and recreate how that how that data yeah. was transmitted and transformed in and flight. Yeah,
4: you could you could you could do a replay. I mean, this is this is the this is what you're almost describing is the is the ultimate in in inversion control. It is it's a way of turning back the clock. Either reverting to a previous state, it could be checking your current state against the information you have to see if you picked a starting point and applied all of the data that you've recorded. Will you come out with the same result? If you don't, you've either missed something or someone's messed with it.
1: Okay, so I'm going to throw a wrench in everybody's woodwork. Sorry, Tyler. Oh, please do. That's what I want. Intent. Right? Intent is missing. Yeah. And without intent, Context can be interpreted every which way to Sunday in multiple different languages with multiple different events associated. And I'm not talking about the sentiment. As in sentiment analysis, I'm talking about the intent. Because to Rich's point, you can roll it backwards and do the famous, you know, football touchdown replay. But if you don't know the intent of why you're doing it,
4: yeah. it's a, it, it's not valuable. It's of less use. Here's another question on about intent. This is when <laughs> yes. we start to talk about domains. You know, yes. There was probably an intent when the data was captured in the first place. There are choices to be made about what you pay attention to and what you record uh what you what metadata you add to the primary kind of source data Mm -hmm. and then there's the intent of the user you just described for example all of not all of but you were just describing as dark data logs and various kinds of information that for all intents and purposes have been used once or kind of captured for you know, because we always do it this way and it's it's used once, suddenly the intent is I can use this and I and as you know, the domain of use is defined by the request or by the by the search, by the by the pullout of it. Um, so intent is absolutely right. And domain is what we're talking about. you You usually have domain expertise that's that's about you know what you capture when, how you structure it, and so forth. But you can't <coughs> capture everything and in fact, you don't want to. What no, you it... do want what you do want to do is have a certain core of information, a core of data and some mm-hmm. metadata that goes along with it and domain specific languages, inquiries, utilization. So intent happens at both you know, capture and, and uh, generate and capture and intent happens and can be quite distinct and different when we start talking about utilization and consumption.
2: So okay. if we so, if we think about if we think about it as um the the descriptor or the ontology of identity is another as uh, is, is I I'd love to hear your your thought on that John let me finish though is it is, yeah. is that identity of a requester or a user becomes enumerated as a as a object entity of its own, and to that object entered entity, we apply policies that enumerate the permitted uses. Uh, so if you have, for example, a data flow between your service desk and your marketing platform, Uh, That marketing platform becomes a requester from an access management perspective, and that requester has certain policies that define the uses – to which that requester can put the data. So if you make a request for data, then you have a certain limitation of the uses for that. Say, hey, I'm marketing. So this because I'm marketing, this maps to a certain set of policies for transmitting are, within different jurisdictions think, as
4: well as think, what filters think to apply. A, think of it as a form of license that has terms of use.
0: Okay, so y'all y- y- y'all are giving me a headache on not not in a bad way, but but <laughs> but I it, we're it feels that, Joan, go ahead and make your point and I, I'll, I can offer my 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 meta analysis.
1: <laughs> I thought yours would be the Uber analysis, um, <laughs> Tyler. The reason that I was shaking my head is because in my little pea brain intent should dictate domain or allow for domains, many of which would then further mm, filter, if you will, for lack of a better word, uh, the policies to which or the events to which one would be ascribing. So the requester has the intent of requesting data for a policy change. So the intent of the requester is not necessarily the same as the capture, and I may have those backwards. Um, no, the- you're
2: right, but <laughs> I'm. I, I, you're right, you're right. I mean, just flat out, that's correct. I, I just, I don't know. So what is, well, so if, if we have policies that control and or govern Uh, The access and, and, you know, transformation of data sets and it's tied to identity, right? So we're able to not, we're not enumerating the intent, what we're enumerating is the permitted uses which can go all the way down to the row and column level of data sets, right? So the permitted uses, but that doesn't mean that, hey, my intent is to do is to create a marketing campaign, right? Uh, so how would,
3: okay, so is you,
2: it, is it a situation where we have, we have a, a, a a data model construct for intent and a data model construct for permitted use. and then we create some mapping. Would that create something additional in terms of utility? Uh, because in my mind, it's always been well, if if I can if I can create automation with policies that govern access permissions, to okay. domains and or data sets within the domain and or records within the data sets, then is that exhaustively complete, or do we need to do and, and add in intent
1: like what you were talking about? Okay, so so to keep it simple and maybe not give Rob more of a headache, <laughs> the way this is playing out in my head is intent to domains plural to identities, singular or plural, right? In case I have a bipolar or multi-personality, but my identities can then be governed by rules and event or data access or any of the things that are normal. So that model is sort of wider in scope because it's driven by the intent of the requester, and it's aligned with the rights and permissions on of the system to allow that intent in that specific domain or domains. Does that make sense?
4: Run it having run through that. Pick a pick a pick a use case, pick an example, because what I'm sitting here thinking about, what I'm and and I think actually data personal data privacy is an excellent arena to use.
2: And one we can sell stuff for. So yeah.
1: (laughs) And you got that right. So I guess The royalty checks will go out.
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here's, here's, here's my, here's my slight variation on what you, what you said, Joanne, and then I'll, I'll turn it back. Identity certainly plays a big part, but identity. Plus. Intent. And then any definitions or any policies regarding that combination, that tuple, are what then kind of say, all right, I have a policy that says when Rich is pulling data about individual citizens out of this database with all these different sources, I need to know the context. And the context happens to be: I run the San Francisco airport, or I'm concerned with the San Francisco Airport, in which case, for a number of reasons, I have access to data that if I were simply running a marketing campaign, I wouldn't be allowed to have, or wouldn't allow be allowed to have in combination. If I'm managing the San Francisco airport, I need to know your name, full name. I need to know what your identity document is that you're carrying. I need, in some cases, to know if you're vaccinated. I need to know what flights you're planning to come in on and what flights you're planning to go out on if, in fact, you're using San Francisco airport as a as a way station, as a as a transfer point, I need to know about your baggage. I probably need to have your credit card or some some basis of of, uh, of financial mm-hmm. financial identity or financial worth, you know, credit worthiness. If I'm sitting there as the same same person, where my intent is. I need to put an advertising campaign together for the San Francisco Airport, and because uh, I'm I'm getting beat up by Oakland International. I have same person, same identity in the sense of I I have to provide my my bona fides but there is an intent here. There is an application that says, I am putting on a different hat. I have a different intent. I'm dealing with a different domain and the policies that have been established entitle me to make use of this data in the following way. But if I'm doing my marketing job, no. Well, okay. let, let me yeah, explain how, it
2: how, how I'm thinking about it and, and you guys okay. can tell me where I'm wrong. Uh so I think now that now that we talked about it a little bit, I think the word that when, when I hear intent, I think role, like in an I am perspective. And I know you're gonna say it's it's different, and I, I'm just gonna lay out what I say and you can poke your holes in it. So <laughs> no, this is great. I love it. Uh, how often do we get to actually talk about stuff like this? So um, you think about it, role in terms of an Octa or Active Directory context, right? So your role would be a a marketing platform service account, right? Or 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 uh, to use your analogy, Rich, a a traveling salesperson, right? And you're all right. So you're going to access the system you're sitting at in San Jose or Denver or LaGuardia or wherever it is that becomes context. So you have this concept where you have roles define like what you're going to do. You're going to pull data to create sales campaigns or marketing campaigns or whatever. Right. So that's the role piece, which is, you know, uh, an IT ops Okta administrator yeah. or a salesperson role that defines permissions for access to to systems. Uh, but then the identity contains object entities in the ontology around things like what's my, what what are the applicable jurisdictions. So if I'm asking for data from this data set and I am in this role, and I have this locality con, uh, uh, context that's con- contained in the policy, then that would define the whole state of what the request would look like. I would know what to apply to each request yeah. you
4: know,
2: because I know what the role is. is and then I is. also know the constraints that exist yeah. attached to the identity objects. Right. I'm thinking everything is a data object in my head, right? There's you've got a role object, you've got an identity object, and then you've got objects that are associated with the endpoints for accessing all the data. And then you've got all the other contexts we were talking about. So, for example, you could say, okay, I'm a sales guy, I'm in San Jose, I want to pull data for a, um, Sales campaign, and if I'm a global sales rep, then I'm going to have to be under the Canadian jurisdiction around uh, not provo- not not using emails unless I've opted in. Right? Uh, we've got EU uh, GDPR regulations where You've we've got, got, a got California be, CCPA. But, but, yes,
4: yeah.
2: But so Hold we've on. got the context. We so we've got the the data objects metadata, ontology, please somebody give me a descriptive so, word of this so, before I die. But so let you, me, you've let got me, kind of the me. downstream descriptors, <laughs> and then you've got the upstream descriptors associated with the
0: identity. Does that make it, hold, sense? Hold. It it does. Hold on. It, well, we're not getting a consensus and we're out of time, so we're not going to get to a consensus.
4: Okay. But, can yeah. I just,
1: two seconds. Go ahead. Go ahead. If intent is the top of the pyramid, And it dictates domain. I. I wish to secure Pearson Airport, I therefore have the domain of security, which then gives me rights to access all of your data to ensure none of you are terrorists. If my intent is to market the hell out of the uh, Sheraton Hotel at Pearson Airport, I have
4: exactly right
1: no domain other than marketing, and no rights to access any PPI information under
2: GDPR. So you could I, have two I, roles. I, you could have a security role, and you could have a marketing role that could or could not be attached <laughs> to that individual. So based on their intent. If their intent is Wait. to market the hell out of everybody, they've got to use the marketing role that has the attachments versus the security role, which gives them access to everything unfiltered. So you oh, have different hold, rules and policies on, on.
0: attached. We, we definitely well, need to pull, pull this think, in. I, think, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll start muting people. Exactly. Sorry, right, I'm done. i say nothing more. Here's Here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm hearing. Because we started with metadata. Um, I still have questions about the dark data. <laughs> Which I didn't get to, which is fine. We're, we're going to put this on the calendar and we're going to come back to it. But what I hear y'all talking about without using the phrase is a data control plane. Is that you're what you're really talking through is how am I, you know, you how am I, I providing access, which includes manipulation, to that data. And and the metadata I think is essential to the data control plane. And I think we're going to have to. Step back and look at the control, like how metadata yeah. is used to build this control plane. Because I agree, you know, we could argue about the intent all the all the time. At some point, it really is there's a governance, which is what controls about. Yes, that, that we need to figure out how to facilitate, and that governance is incredibly. It's 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 what what I heard in the last time we talked about this is the governance. Has to be, and this to me is the big is the takeaway. The governance has to be intrinsic in the data, because you cannot successfully let you can't put the data in a box well enough that to create. Like what you can't, heard, you can't what control
4: do you mean by what do you mean by intrinsic in the data?
0: Metadata. I think the metadata becomes the the metadata is as much is, is as much or more the control component as infrastructure around it. And that that to me is the the insight here is without the The metadata, you can't you can't provide the data control plane.
4: Yeah. Because you can't control plane makes
0: the the control plane is the is
4: the functionality what controls it or what's going to dictate what can and can't be done is the combination of the metadata and the policies that have been established. And those policies are those policy, and and when we talk about access and 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 entitlements, they're policy driven as opposed to directly identity driven.
0: Yes, well, there is
1: it's, that, it's, it's all of the above. That's all of the above. So then, so then, right, we, so then uh, wouldn't it be the from a phrase point of view? wouldn't this be metadata governance?
4: Yeah. We're no, talking about the no. creation of, yeah, we so, are. So so, so, so <laughs> I, I,
2: I I would <laughs> submit that we not try to add a new definition on top of the traditional metadata <laughs> definitions.
0: All right, and, I, I, I really do have to wrap us up. Yeah, this is, yeah. a, a, we, we will come back to this. Because we are all clearly passionate about it, and uh, we're we there there is something that we're all agreeing to, but we're not talking about in the same way. So, and disagreeing about too, I'm sure. But well, no, thank you, 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 you. Know, thank it's, you for
2: invigorating topic. Thanks for thanks for making this happen, Rob. This is this is fun. <laughs> My
0: pleasure. I love it. I love it. it. I'm learning a lot. Thank you. I love conversations like this in Cloud 2030, where we start on one topic, metadata, and it's very clear that getting a common understanding of why we would care about metadata, even though everybody in the room cares about it, the why we care about it needs to be resolved as part of that discussion, and that's exactly what you heard. Now, we will clearly be going back to the concepts of data governments, data control planes, metadata. And, and what that means and how it should be controlled in really powerful ways. I hope you decide to join us for those conversations, either by listening to the podcast or even better, coming into the roundtable and being part of the dialogue. You can find out our schedule and links at the2030.cloud, and I will see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by N where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what Rackend does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and, you know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.